Greetings. Joseph Kursky here with you on another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast. Today, let's chat about the Great Trigonometric Survey of India, Mapping Through Adversity. The Great Trigonometric Survey of India, Mapping Through Adversity. Many of the revolutionary moments in geography and geotechnology have to do with mapping. Indeed, Making and reading maps has always been one of the primary activities of geographers throughout the ages. But creating the map is not typically the end goal. The end goal, in my view, is rather to understand what is being mapped. This was the goal in one of the most ambitious mapping projects ever envisioned and undertaken, the Great Trigonometric Survey of India. It was, quote, the largest and longest measurement of the Earth's surface ever to have been attempted. Its 2,575 kilometers of inch-perfect survey took nearly 50 years, cost more lives than most contemporary wars, and involved equations more complex than any in the pre-computer age, according to Kiei 2001. Why did the Great Trigonometric Survey, or GTS, consume so much time and resources? Physical geography, to be certain, played a huge role. India is one of the most physically diverse places on Earth, and its canyons, forests, marshes, plains, and mountains would have been enough of a landscape challenge, but there was a climatic challenge as well. Winds, heat, cold, and its famous torrential monsoon rains. Furthermore, the animal life of the region, ranging from boa constrictors to Bengal tigers to scorpions, literally stopped many surveyors in their tracks. Malaria also took its toll. The cultural geography was also challenging. Hundreds of languages were spoken in the area, mapped, and much of the land was already densely populated. The scientific challenges were also great. Some instruments weighed a half ton. Yes, a half ton. They all had to be kept dry, even in monsoons. Pre-GPS era surveying depended on line-of-sight observations. In India, to clear the heavy vegetation and canyon walls, these sightings often had to be conducted from flimsy platforms 90 feet above the ground, or from hills or mountain peaks enveloped in blizzards or whiteouts. Masonry benchmarks had to be established along the surveyed lines some over 15 meters high. Political geography was another challenge. The survey was initiated by the occupying country of India, which was Great Britain. Many local people knew that to survey the land meant understanding the land, mapping the land, and also controlling the land, their land. They were naturally not friendly to these occupying surveyors and the army and country that they represented. The mysterious character of the instruments and operations, as well as the planting of flags and signals, naturally awakened the apprehensions or excited the jealousy of the local and regional rulers and princes. It required, therefore, no extraordinary tact, firmness, and patience in order to negotiate their goodwill and safe passage through the areas they controlled. 
Transportation included foot, canoe, horse, elephant, and camel. The control of the project was eventually transferred to the government of India in 1818. Still, the fact that many surveyors acquired land and became rich also did not set, set well with the Indian people. The survey was piloted and initially run by William Lambton, later by George Everest, yes, the same one for whom the mountain is named, and later supervised by others. The survey was revolutionary for the challenges it faced and overcame, and for its accomplishments, which included the demarcation of the British territories in India, the measurement of the height of the Himalayan mountains, including Mount Everest, K2, and Kenjinjunga, and for being one of the first accurate measurements of a section of an arc of longitude and a major portion of the Earth's surface. From an initial survey at Cape Comorin in the south, it ran nearly 2,400 kilometers north to the Himalayas. This created a backbone of accurately mapped points in chains, yes, physical chains, across the length and breadth of the country, the basis for an accurate map. From the backbone, which again was initially surveyed with physical chains, surveyors created triangles and used trigonometry to create and measure them. To create each surveyed point, they needed locations that could be seen from at least two previously visited places. But in reality, they needed more than that to act as checks on the core measurements. From these triangles, more detailed land parcels were mapped. The field mapping was often done on a detailed scale of 4 inches, or 10 centimeters, to the mile, or 1.6 kilometers. The GTS, a project of the larger Survey of India, began on 10 April 1802 with the measurement of a baseline near Madras. Major Lambton's selection of a plane, P-L-A-I-N, seemed like an easy place to start, but measuring that first baseline of 7.5 miles, or 12.1 kilometers, required 57 days. From Britain, surveyors hauled a 36-inch theodolite, a surveying instrument with a rotating telescope for measuring horizontal and vertical angles, weighing one half ton. Hmm. Now, just as an aside, folks, we used theodolites at my work at the USGS up until the 1980s, so they have long been a key piece of accurate measurement. A 100-foot steel chain had to be laid out, 100-foot steel chain, imagine how much that weighed, rolled up and moved to each point. No ordinary chain, it consisted of 40 links that had to be shaded and under constant tension. The distance measured from coast to coast, 360 miles or 580 kilometers, took four years to complete. This initial baseline was measured with great accuracy, since the accuracy of all the subsequent surveying work was critically dependent upon it. Corrections were applied, such as for the curvature of the Earth, the fact that the Earth is not a perfect sphere, temperature, refraction, gravitational influence of mountains on pendulums, and elevation. From this initial survey, over 3,700 square miles, or 9,583 square kilometers, were surveyed. At times, the survey party numbered 700 people. Cartography in the 19th century in India was the most advanced in the world. Other nations, even Great Britain at the time, were not mapped to the extent that India was being mapped. 
There was a strong element of control in the mapping of South Asia. As Ian Barrow states, quote, The survey not only helped the state gather information and knowledge, it also added legitimacy to colonial rule by making it seem that this form of science in India would not only result in India's progress, but would also improve geodesy, end quote. A test in 1804 of a line of nearly 159 miles, or 257 kilometers, showed that the computed and measured lengths of this line differed by only 3.7 inches, or 9.4 centimeters, over 159 miles. That's pretty amazing. The survey was also revolutionary because from it, the first accurate maps of portions of the Himalayas were made. This not only included the mountains, lakes, ice fields, and valleys, but the latitude and longitude of each peak, and more impressively, their elevations. None of the peaks had been climbed yet, and due to the political situation at the time, surveyors could get no nearer than 108 miles or 174 kilometers away. The surveyors visited peaks from many different locations and calculated horizontal and vertical angles to obtain the height from those locations. Their averages resulted in a height of 29,000 feet from Mount Everest. Thinking the number implausibly perfect, they added two feet and reported it at 29,002 feet high. 29,002 feet high. Their map credits the Bengali mathematician Radhand Anth Sikdar for their arithmetic. With today's technology, the figure has been adjusted to 29,029. This is equivalent to an error of 5 feet in 1 mile, a remarkable feat. The results were published in 1856, though at the time none of the surveying crew knew that it was the highest. It is not known whether or not Everest ever laid eyes on the mountain that bears his name, but his triangulation network was extended and used to locate the summit by Waugh, W-A-U-G-H, Everest's successor as Surveyor General. Waugh's admiration of Everest's achievements led to the naming of Peak XV in the Himalayas. Quote, here is a mountain most probably the highest in the world, without any local name that I can discover, end quote. So he proposed, quote, to perpetuate the memory of that illustrious master of geographical research, Everest, end quote. The great trigonometric survey not only made possible the mapping of the entire Indian subcontinent, but also the development of its roads, railways, and telegraphs, and later its telecommunications. Modern India was thus shaped. India as a country would never be the same. Its painstaking accuracy set the tone and the standard for all surveys to follow, and indeed for the entire profession of surveying and mapping. The survey of, in of India was indeed controversial. Many of the region's people knew that the mapping of the country was a precursor to dominating it, and they were right. It would be almost another century before India would achieve independence from Great Britain. The survey resulted in the first accurate measurements of the Himalayas, advanced cartography and geodesy, advanced the knowledge of India, and even advanced knowledge of the exact shape of planet Earth. And that, folks, is the Great Trigonometric Survey of India, colon, Mapping Through Adversity. Thanks for joining me on this Thinking Spatially podcast.